the game week one deadline is looming and panic is setting in. Hello FBL Surgery listeners, on this episode we'll be talking to our guest Alex who finished 141st in the world last season, going through FPL team strategies, we'll all be revealing our current drafts, we'll be going through some predictions for FPL next season and as always we'll finish up with some listener questions. Welcome back listeners to episode 185 of the FPL Surgery podcast. We're recording on Monday the 7th of September 2020 with less than five days until FPL kicks off for the 2020-2021 season. Now if you're tuning in for the first time and you don't know who we are, I'm Rich aka Flapjack FPL on Twitter. I've had four top 10k finishes in my eight seasons playing the game. 2k, 3k, 6k and 8k are my best four. Um, and last season, I was lucky to finish 23K, all thanks to Raheem Sterling and Harry Kane, salvaging a couple of mini leagues for me right at the death of the season. Now, I'm at with Josh, as always. So hi there, Josh. How's it going? Good, mate. You? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty good. I mean, do you mind going through your ranks as well? Just for yeah, any people that haven't listened before. No problem. Um, yes, yeah, so we've been playing the game um, since 2006-2007, which... I think is when it began. Um, so I'm going to, into my 15th season. I've only finished outside the top 100k once, um, and I've got four top 5k finishes, uh, with the highest being 516th. Brilliant. But to someone who has had a top 500 finish, a fellow Reading fan, this week's guest is Alex, aka Pirlo's Pen. Now he's had five top 50k finishes, with his highest being last season, and that was 141st, winning the famous FPL Moolah League on the way. So, so how's it going? Hello, mate. Yeah, um, brilliant. Thanks. Yeah, I've been a long-time listener of the surgery, so it's quite surreal to be on. Uh, so yeah, it's a real pleasure. Uh, the team is changing by the hour, but I think I'm, I think I'm there. 95 percent there brilliant yeah i know what you mean about it being surreal being on the surgery and yeah with the team as well i've been tinkering non-stop all day i've got a bit of burnout as well um but i really look forward to hearing all about your season shortly first of all we just want to welcome our new patrons so we have eva melby ian malone and philip schrod they've all joined at the slack level we've got jonathan disimoni who joined at the patreon league level and ross from fpl merch who's joined us at the highest tier um, now, Ross, like I said, he runs FPL Merch and he's actually got a Kickstarter campaign for some mugs. So if you go to at FPL Merch, you'll be able to find his Kickstarter link. We want to thank Jason Rosnick upgrading from the Slack level to the GIF level. Now, if you'd like to join the FPL Surgery Patreon, you can Google FPL Surgery Patreon. You can use Alexa to Google FPL Surgery Patreon or you can go to patreon.com forward slash FPL Surgery. Now, if you sign up this week, you'll be able to get into the score predictions and goal scorer challenges right from the start. Now, as always, we'd like to give a big thank you and shout out to Andy Portlock, Vince Poyle, Ron Frosk and Ross from FPL Merch because they're all pledging at the highest tier. So they get this extra special mention each week. And finally, we'd like to give an extra shout out to a friend of the pod, Mike Jeske, a.k.a. Bitter and Stout. And we hope you're recovering well, mate. So we're going to move to a new segment. Now, many of you may know Alan, FPL Diagnosis from Twitter and our Slack channel. Now, Alan, he's a doctor of medicine and a big FPL player, and he'll be giving his insight throughout the season from stats to injury information. He's been giving us his own injury diagnosis on the Slack channel in seasons gone, and bringing his expertise to a wider audience is something we're very excited about. Now, this week, Alan uh, will be giving us a roundup of the pre-season games for you. Hi, fellas. Alan here with some performances of note from pre-season. 
We start off with some OOP news. Tottenham Hotspur have played four friendlies with Youngmin Son recording three goals and three assists, uh, making him the highest returner in pre-season so far. Should be noted, of course, he has played as an out-of-position striker in Harry Kane's absence. Another popular pick is Alan St. Maximin, who played as a striker in a 5-1 loss to Middlesbrough, getting Newcastle's lone goal. He's unlikely to stay up front for long, though, with the signing of Callum Wilson recently confirmed. Far less popular pick, Wilfred Zaha has played in an out-of-position role as a centre-forward for Crystal Palace, recording three goals and two assists in their four friendlies. One to look out for when their fixtures turn gaming five, perhaps. Crystal Palace kept a clean sheet in two of those games, while Tyrek Mitchell keeps racking up the minutes at left-back. At West Ham, Michael Antonio and Haller have so far only played 63 minutes together on the pitch in West Ham's four friendlies, with two of the games being played with split 11s. Might be something to watch out for there. You'd think it's Antonio's spot to lose, but could he go from OOP to Poo? Meanwhile, popular enabler Thomas Suchek has scored twice, but is of course a doubt due to COVID-19 isolation. Also something to monitor at West Ham. Fulham's talismanic striker Alexander Mitrovic hadn't played a game for Fulham since July, but he has now clocked in two 90-minute performances for his home country Serbia, scoring once in a 3-1 loss to Russia. Should be ready to go at the start of the season. Another very popular pick is, of course, Timo Werner. The new signing for Chelsea has started three games so far for club and country, has played through the middle in all of these games, scoring twice. Chelsea have so far only played the one friendly though, and with all these new signings you got to wonder if Frank Lampard will have time to gel his new team. Similar questions could be asked of the Manchester clubs and Wolves. Will there be some rust with these clubs not involved in pre-season at all so far? Or was it the right call giving the teams a rest, considering how far they all went in European competition? Moving on to some defensive performances, trustworthy Burnley have played five friendlies, although only recording a clean sheet in two. They have, though, split their first 11 on a couple of occasions, so as always with pre-season friendlies, it's a bit difficult to know what to read into that. Up front for Burnley, XG monster Chris Wood is their leading scorer with two goals. And lastly, last season's surprise package, Sheffield United, have kept the most clean sheets with no sheets being soiled in four out of five games. You might wonder though, are they being slightly overlooked by the FPL community? Meanwhile, season keeper Mo Salah has yet to record a single attacking return in Liverpool's four pre-season friendlies so far, making some FPL managers question whether he really is essential after all, and making me question what to make of any of these stats at all. That's all I've got so far, folks. If I didn't mention a team, I didn't find anything interesting about them. P.S. The 4.5 mids are all terrible, terrible picks. Back to you, Rich. Thanks, Helen. And we'll go back to the topics. Now, Alex, I mean, what you had last season, I imagine, was a dream season. I guess what we want to ask is, though, so... You've had some really good finishes in the past. You've come 28k twice and you've had a 12k finish as well. I mean, what do you think, Alex, made the difference last season, you know, over those other seasons you've had? So what I noticed, so I went back and had a look at uh, my my season and basically I found that throughout the 38 game weeks, a lot of the time I was kind of 
on the average. Um, but the main difference was five times I came in the top 50k in game week rank, and twice in the oh, top wow. five. Yeah, and twice in the top five thousand. So. I would kind of like stay pace for a few weeks and then have a massive green arrow, which would kind of just bring you into crazy territory. Um, Was that down to anything specific? So specifically this season, I was very, very fixture dependent. Um, Sometimes I'd actually ignore players that were in form with tough runs. Like sometimes it didn't work. Like I managed to miss all of Ings's points. Um, But on the whole, I really thought that targeting fixtures really worked I was also a lot more swayed to taking a few more hits Um, and when I say taking hits I don't mean like taking hits for defenders and low value players I'm talking about the high value switches Um, they were really important um, for captaincy another point that I found that was really helpful was I was completely flexible I was often switching formation 3-5-2-3-4-3-4-4-2 um, and it wasn't for particularly any reason. It was kind of the players were dictating which formation I played. Would you say, so were you following, I'm sure you've heard stuff by Late Riser, and obviously he's been on the pod previously. I mean, would you say you went for a strategy similar to him with, you, with your captains to give you those big weeks? Yeah, exactly. Um, specifically, I was very adamant on captaining the big midfielders. Um, I very, very rarely swayed away from them. I just, I feel like the midfielders have the biggest points potential. Uh, you get the extra point for the clean sheet, the goal. You, you tend to see the big hauls throughout the season, except if your name's Trent Alexander-Arnold, from the midfielders. Yeah, so that, that was a massive part of it, planning my captains well, well in advance. Now that's a that's a good way to play. I mean, something I, I find very interesting is obviously you said you had uh, what was it four? Was it four top top 50k game week ranks? Five, five top 50k. Oh, five. Sorry, five yeah. top 50k game week ranks. Because something I looked at in the at the end of last season was was I came 23,000th. Now I had nine uh, finishes with a top 500 game week rank, as in 500,000 game week rank. But then I also had nine that were over four million. I mean, did you have a lot of game week ranks that were you know horrific, or did you manage to avoid those? On the most part, I think I managed to avoid them. I was kind of, I just was able to stay pace, stay with the pace of the um, the pack, and then took my advantage when I when I saw one and shot up the ranks basically. So like, it was really uh, the captaincy that did it on those weeks, and and also the ones that you mentioned in the top five k game week rank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, the top five k game week rank was. Um, it was game week around Christmas. Um, everybody had jumped ship on Trent Robertson, Madison, a few guys that had been underperforming, and they all just came in in one week. It was a yeah, it was a it was a good show of patience that one. Another the other one was the Raheem Sterling captaincy against Brighton. Um, oh, hat trick. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was a beautiful day. <laughs> it really was, wasn't it? The, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was. The, the header on the floor was the the icing on the cake. Did you have Antonio as well that week, just out of interest? No, I didn't. No, no me neither. That because that would have been perfect. I mean, <laughs> you'd have probably been the top top hundred if you if you had Antonio. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was one of those crazy weeks, wasn't it? Antonio yeah. four goals. I mean, how would you take this? So obviously you had the amazing success last season I imagine it was a lot of fun I mean how are you going to now take that and then approach the new season to try and replicate it the main thing which I'm going to try to stick to is to keep my faith with the midfielders for captaincy so yeah KDB Sterling Salah Bamiyang Bruno Son Havertz I really don't think 
I'll be swaying away from those guys. I just think the ceilings for these people is, are just massive. So, I, love, yeah. I love how Havertz gets in there already. <laughs> You'll be making an appearance later in the pod, I'm sure, as well. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure you will. Well, I mean, I think big expectations Dean, on him. <laughs> Dean got us very excited about Havertz last week, and he's actually he snuck his way into my team as well. Oh, yeah. teaser. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, his quote, the, the, Ball- the future Ballon d'Or winner sold exactly. it for me. Exactly, one one of many. Do you have one more question? Would it was it quite stressful or not? Did you find it quite like things just happened, or you know, was it quite stressful being up that high? Um, so this is the main goal I set myself was to finish in the top 10k. Um, so I was hovering around 2k for ages. Um, so I was, I was happy with that. Um, and then the Raheem Sterling week happened, and I shot up to about 250th, and then I was just right. The stress was kind of on a bit. I was like, I want to get that two-figure rank it didn't happen but yeah I put a bit of pressure on myself I think the pressure will come from more from this season yeah trying try, yeah trying to follow that I, it's not going to be easy um, it's really not going to be easy with that you know millions of players no, um, set, set myself up a disappointment yeah but you never know you never know exactly. um, so, so, so we move actually into the strategies now so Josh um, I guess a lot's changed in the last couple of weeks I mean we've obviously now got like rumours surrounding Vinagre um Suchek, Mares, Laporte they're self-isolating has that changed your strategy at all Josh no it hasn't really the only thing that was going to change it was um was Messi signing really um or or being in process and it looked like it was going to get over the line before the transfer deadline day but now it's dead um no nope, I am locked, locked in no it can't now it's it's, it's gonna it go to court and there's a 700 million pound um, you know, fee that needs to be paid, which would pretty much, I don't know, bankrupt Man City, but it wouldn't put them in a great financial position for sure. So no, I, I think that was the only thing that was gonna that was gonna upset sort of my strategy and what I was doing because I think he he's he's obviously would have been a game changer. He would have dictated how the season would have gone in terms of perma captain and and and, and all sorts of stuff, um, as well as what he would have done to other players, but. I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely locked into my strategy that I said on the first pod we did together with Hawks, um, and that is still to um, wildcard game week two. You've been very, very firm on that as well. I think you only wavered for about 10 minutes, and that was obviously prior to the first pod. So, yeah, there's some real consistency with your strategy, and that's not is that not going to change at all? You are set. You're going to be wildcarding game week two. Yeah, I think, you know, you, you know, this week prior to game week one, you don't know what's going to happen with coronavirus. You know, a game gets called off or there's a big injury. But unless there's a major development, then no, I'm locked into into game week two uh, wildcard. And, you know, feel that my my reasons behind it are still as valid as they as they were before, really. That's good. I mean, I wish I, wish I was as confident and set on a strategy as you are. I'm actually a bit jealous. So, Alex, what, what strategy are you currently on? Are you setting your like setting what you're doing or? Yeah, I, like Josh, I'm I'm very set on what I'm doing, but it's the complete polar opposite of what Josh is doing. Um, so rather than earning at the earliest possible time, I'm actually going to be wildcarding at the latest possible time, purely because I think this is the optimum route for chip strategy. So I'll be wildcarding in game week 16. I will be free hitting in game week 18 during the big blank. And I'll be bench boosting in the game week 19, big double. Um, in terms of United and City assets, which is 
the main problem with not wildcarding early mm. IC. I'm just going to be quite aggressive with it. I'm going to set up with a minus four ready to go, which will let me have Bruno and Martial. And then De Bruyne will come in on game week three. Yeah, so very, very organised planning there. Um, and it's nice to see you've actually got your chip strategy you know, beyond, you know, in the second half of the season, you've got your chip strategy already in place. I mean, one downside, I thought, with this strategy, because I've been toying up, you know, every single strategy, I've been putting teams together. Um, obviously, there's a lot of concern about postponements. And I mean, this is a very hypothetical situation. But what if you wildcarded in 16 and then there were postponements after that? I mean, it's probably a bit of an unfair question, but I mean, have you, does that worry you at all? It does, obviously. Um, it could happen, uh, but at the same time, it could happen in any game week, I think. Yes, true. true. One, of, one of the positives of holding the world wildcard is that there could be postponements at any point during the season and having that little wild, wildcard in your, in your pocket. Could really help this, you out. I think with this season, with there being um, the unknowns of coronavirus, before Project Restart, I think I remember Ben Credin putting out a tweet saying that the um, FA basically imposed that, or the Premier League had imposed that, if players are missing, then that team has to use any, you know, all possible squad players they've got, including youth players, to basically make the game go ahead. I don't see why that would change this time because we've got a shorter season. So I don't think that should should change at all again, really. But I do feel that it would be surprising to go through the whole season without some sort of hiccup to do with it along the way. And for that reason, you know, obviously it's going to impact how you pick your team, your chip strategy. But also I think, you know, there will probably be an element of luck involved as to as opposed to, you know, in terms of when you've played your wild card. Um, you know what teams get impacted or players get impacted and I think you know there's obviously you know a fair amount of luck in FPL as it is but I do feel like that that could be sort of play a larger factor potentially this season. Does that not make you want to hold your wild card then Josh because obviously you're using it at the very earliest possibility. Yeah I think I think you've just got to go with what your you know what your gut's telling you and what comes naturally to you and for me I'm you know there's 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 lots of things that my the wild card in game week two allows me to do which makes means that I can stick to my game and um and and I don't like taking making early transfers so I don't want to bring in personally um you know Bruno or or Martial um before the before game week one's finished or as soon as game week one's over because they're going to go up in price I, I am someone that always makes my transfers on a friday night normally and um so don't want to don't want to change away from that so therefore i'm not i'm not someone that ever chases value so therefore it's for me playing my wildcard game week two means that i can give my team a good sort of value boost from doing that um, without having to to, uh, to to use the sort of early transfers, really. I can do it, you know, in a nice, relaxed way, um, getting all those players, KDB, you know, Martial, Rashford, Bruno, wh- whatever I choose to do, Greenwood, maybe even a Burnley player, and, um, you know, and then move into to game week two with that team. Um, so that's 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 one thing that it, it enables me to do. And I feel that that really the way that I'm doing it is that I think that your 
prioritizing your team earlier um, and you've got longer to benefit from that than if you play the wild card later and essentially all that emphasis goes on really that double game week you know 19 I think it's going to be um, and essentially if that double game week 19 doesn't live up to that potential certain things don't go away, your way on the bench boost um, then it's not it's you know it's all on one game week whereas my strategy has got longer to pan out I, I personally feel Alex, would you be quite flexible? So, for example, obviously you're planning to hold the wild card as long as you can, and that's obviously game week 16. I mean, would would you, if if things fell apart, would you adapt and either do a big hit? Let's say in game week five you have several in, injuries, players, you know, off with COVID. Would you look to do a big hit and retain that wild card, or would you be looking down the lines of, oh, I'll just wild card and it's my safety net? So my my threshold for wildcard is probably minus eight so if i if i felt like i had issues that needed fixing that was going to cost me more than minus eight mm. i would use the wildcard but yeah so the question i have for josh actually is gaming so if you're set on the early wildcard strategy um i've been i looked at it myself early on and i saw that game week three is actually where you get most of the fixture fixture turns um for example you get chelsea and wolves as well as United and City. Yeah, you do, you do, um, and and I think we'll move on to Rich's strategy. I'm sure in a minute. Um, that's I think that's what he's favouring. Um, yeah, and I've changed again. <laughs> oh, have you? Very no, much. No, no, I'm still. I'm still. Sorry, I'm still on wildcard three, but obviously people would think I'm on bench boost and. You're correct. Anyway, yeah. Continue, yeah. Josh. Originally, you were on wildcard two. Now you're on wildcard three. Yeah. But that's what you're you're looking at, and I, I completely agree with you. Fixture swings are um, are definitely much better for going in a wild card in three rather than two but the reason why i prefer two is because of that price you know the value you can get by bringing those players in that week as opposed to waiting until game week three could be 0.5 difference up to a million potentially and probably it's probably going a bit much maybe but probably 0.5 definitely difference um, and I think the other thing is it's about owning those players when no one else has got them. Now, I know we can all sort of say on FPL uh, on the site at the moment, you know, KDB still got 30 percent ownership. Like We all know that's going to go down by, by, by the deadline on Saturday. You know, but I love the idea of game week two. Um, majority of players are sat there with with maybe one Man United, no Man City. And then I've got potentially, you know, sort of three, four between those two teams with very low ownership. And I think it's, it's, it's nice to have them at low ownership as well as obviously, most importantly, getting them in at their rock bottom price, presuming that you're obviously looking to keep those players long term. Obviously, at first I was on wildcard game week two. I'm now moving towards game week three wildcard. And I guess I'll put this to you, Josh. I mean, obviously, Alex mentioned fixture swings. And a big reason I'm now looking at game week three is because of Chelsea. The fixtures haven't fallen very kind for this aggressive strategy. And that, you know, that's what's getting me to rethink it. Because that Liverpool-Chelsea game in game week two, it's, it's a bit of a nightmare, really. Um, and obviously, Man City's game's not that great either. So... Would you be wildcarding Chelsea players in ahead of game week three, or would you be delaying those transfers? Or no, I think I'll probably, them in? I think I'll probably leave Chelsea. Um, I think game week game week one. I think I'll start with Werner, 
And then I think I'll leave Chelsea on my wild card um, and sort of watch a little bit more, um, and then and then probably go game week four. I think um, when they when they're back home, I think it's home to Palace game week four. I think there's you know as 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 you know you know I'm a Chelsea fan. I think you know we're super exciting ahead of this season. We made some incredible signings, but as I said on a previous pod is that we it's going to take time it's going to take time for these these signings to all bed into the team get to know each other how 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 each other play you know i mean to start off with pulisic is is looking doubtful for game week one um as is zayich um what, what if it Havertz, doesn't look doubtful as in what if Chelsea, just hypothetically, Chelsea beat Brighton 4-0, 5-0. Would, would you adapt or would you have already clicked the wildcard button at that point? I think, to be honest, for the sake of... Say, say I wanted an attacking double-up. Say that happened, like you said, hypothetically, and I wanted an attacking double-up, which is the most you're going to go. You're not going to go with three of them, let's be honest. Not not, not, not at this stage of the season. I think, to be honest... To, to, to do it and to do it with with you know and and basically ride one week through it um at um at, you know at home to Liverpool is not the worst thing one it's a home game two if they do beat Brian four nil five nil the the players are going to rock it in value and I'm going to get straight on them while you know with the wild card game week two um even, at, even than, ahead of Liverpool yeah because I think I think I think sometimes you've got to look at it and go, right, what do I do? Do I wait until game week three to play the wild card and pretty much sit there watching all these players that I want go up in value, KDB, Bruno, Martial, Rashford, Greenwood, you know, potentially, yes, potentially Chelsea options, Pulisic if he's back, you know, any any Burnley assets, which I know are a minor consideration, but players like Charlie Taylor, Chris Wood, I think, is a good option, good price. I think, you know, it's, it's. I think you can forego game week two a little bit and compromise a little bit on how strong your team looks for that week if you get the value. And I'm always normally points over pounds. But in this situation and scenario, I think it's a very, very one-off situation. And, you know, you are, you are loading your team up with players from two of the top three teams in the league in, in City and United. Yeah, and I, I really do not think that Liverpool at home for Chelsea is particularly worrying either. No, I, really, I agree with that. I really feel like they could still put a few goals past cool. them. Um, I really think that Chelsea have put together the second best attack in the league now. I, but I agree that yeah, individually, man, man for man, yes, we look great. You know, I mean, but okay, so the so the strongest four attacking wise, Zayac on the right, um, Havertz in the in the ten role, Pulisic on the left, and Werner up front on paper is amazing. He's no way just going to rip out all the players who played for it, for for us last season. And yes, I know William and Pedro have gone and and stuff, but. You know, Mason Mount is definitely going to, I think, is definitely going to start game with one against Brighton. And, yeah, and I, Kovacic is suspended, isn't he, I think? Is he? Um, well, yeah, he might, he might so, start so. with Jorginho and Kante um, there and, and, and play Mount a bit further forward. But 
I just I just don't think he's gonna he, he's not doesn't appear to me as that sort of manager that's just gonna go right. We had a great season last season, but I'm just gonna, gonna just gonna rip all you guys out, and in comes the new boys, and obviously just keep Pulisic playing. I just don't think that it'd be the right thing to do, and I don't think it'd be the best way of transitioning last season's team to this season's team. I think it would be a little bit slower for game week one. I think even even against Liverpool. You know, we'd be a bit silly going into that with with essentially four attacking players, three of which have never played in the Premiership and never played with each other apart from Havertz and um, and Werner's games for Germany, which is not going to be that many, um, both very young. So um, yeah, I think it's I think it'd be it'd be better to to go with the tried and tested and then start to blend them in as the weeks go on. After, obviously, Liverpool game, we've got some good games coming up. We'll have the Carabao Cup as well. Another great opportunity to to give these guys all minutes together before, you know, some other tougher games come round. The Champions League starts. I, I, I'm very excited as a Chelsea fan, but as an FPL player, I, I've said before, I err a bit of caution with us. I don't think it's going to be personally 4-5-0 and and it's all Werner Zayac Havertz and it's you know and it's um just like watching Brazil because I think it's it's going to take time and I do think that he's going to have a degree of loyalty to to the players from last season not just Mason Mount others as well I think for for the price I mean because I think they're incredibly underpriced and I just think they're they're worth a gamble I mean Alex would you would you lean I know you're wildcarding late but I mean, where would you fall with Chelsea? Because the whole reason that I'm looking at wildcard in game week three now instead of game week two is because I want to attack Chelsea, and I'm looking at doing a triple up actually. I mean, how how do you, how would you feel about it if you had to wildcard game week two or three? Which way would you lean, and you know, how would you feel about the Chelsea assets? Yeah, I would I would lean with you. I um I really think that they're underpriced. I think we've got some really really premium assets that are kind of in the mid priced range. Um, I also think that we're going to kind of have a similar situation as we had with Man United, where everyone was scrambling to get the three attackers in because they're all such good value, um, putting lots of goals past teams. Like the, the game week run between three and about 14 is just incredible. Yeah, no, um, it is. They could score two two goals in each of those games easy. So if you're, if you're setting up, we'll come on to your strategy, Rich, if you don't mind. Of course. Um, if you're setting your team up for game weeks one and two um, with the wild card in three, yep. what teams are you targeting that you feel have got good game weeks, both game week one and game week two? <laughs> this is this is the difficulty I've been having. Um, there you go. That's yeah, what be- I felt. But because of because of Liverpool, but there are, I mean, Tottenham for example, Southampton and Arsenal. They seem to be the the key ones you can target. Now Arsenal are a bit annoying. Um, because obviously only really Aubameyang's nailed. We don't even know what goalkeeper they're going to be playing. So players like Aubameyang and Tierney, I think they could be good for both yeah. games. Yeah, I, I think agree with South- that. Southampton have got about six or seven players, like genuinely that you could go for and feel confident. But they've got they've got Spurs at home game week two, which is not really a plum fixture, is it? It's. I mean, it's not a plum fixture. No, it's not a plum fixture. Um, and Spurs have obviously got Southampton away. I mean, there are drawbacks. I mean, this is what I've been quite stressed about it because there are drawbacks on both. Um, I mean, obviously, with your with your strategy, you you can attack that Liverpool fixture against Leeds really, really hard. Yeah. And then you, you can, can wildcard out a whole of lot apart from Trent. 
yeah exactly exactly because i've yeah i've been looking at like double triple liverpool especially with the defenders but then i don't want to be playing them against chelsea and i've been looking at getting a lot of chelsea for game week that's, one but i don't what want to i mean I, the only yeah. team that i look at and get excited about two fixtures game week one and game week two is arsenal and really other than Aubameyang, how many players in that 11 can you say that he will definitely start both those games tierney and Aubameyang. i reckon that is zaka <laughs> you know that's your triple up go for David, it but, yeah David Louise. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Another player you wouldn't want you wouldn't want. And even even Tierney, I think he's a great player at the moment. He's playing the left sided centre back of, of a back three. It's not where you want him. When he's playing left wing back, yeah, great. He's really exciting. But as a left sided centre back in a back three, you're not really getting your value for money at five and a half million. I don't know. I tried to do it and I gave up after about a half an hour. And I was picking, I was picking players from Leicester, and I was, picking, I was like, oh God, this is really well, this is desperate. The thing. You, you change one player, and you're like, this would be perfect, but then that gives you an extra half a million, and then suddenly the whole team, or you know, 80% of your team's changed. Yeah, choosing between two and three is made very difficult by Liverpool, Liverpool and Chelsea. Um, they're the ones I'm really struggling with, and maybe we should be jealous of Alex because. Maybe we thought we were simplifying it, but maybe that strategy is a bit more, a bit more simple. Um, I mean, Alex, just one more thing on this, and then we we'll move on to our actual teams. So you're obviously going to be doing two transfers, aren't you? You're going to be bringing in uh, Martial and Bruno. Do you have money in the bank in case they rise? Will you be doing this, you know, these transfers early in the week? Um, how are you going to approach that? I'm going to have to keep my eye on FPL statistics, to be honest. And is it tight then? <laughs> yeah. So I've got Antonio and Salah in my current draft with two nice home fixtures, Leeds and Newcastle. And I've got one million in the bank. So it is exact cash. Salah and Antonio to Bruno, Captain and Martial. So yeah, I'm really going to have to keep my eye on it. I'm tempted yeah. to down, downgrade one of my 4.5s to a four to just give me that flexibility. Because like Josh, I don't really like making moves early unless I have to. FPL statistics, it's notoriously, you know, the first game week, it's notoriously hard to, to get right especially with people like josh chucking wild cards into the mix <laughs> yeah they won't have the um the algorithm is it the algorithm yeah they won't have it set for the season quite yet so you might get a few uh a few sleepless nights checking your phone yeah, at silly times and stuff unexpected ones and false, I'll just be, false I'll rises. Just be kicking kicking back i won't even have an alarm set just uh, you know activate the wild card you know you'll just be sleep, transferring bruno in and out away. yeah in and out, in and out, all day. Chasing, <laughs> chasing loads of price, lovely price rises and watching them all uh, all go up. Just really, before we move on to the teams, um, I was just going to ask you, um, obviously for the listeners, so definitely not considering the bench boost anymore, game week one. Is this me? Yeah. Oh, of course it's me. Um, yeah, the reason I'm not considering the bench boost anymore, it's that the players just aren't available. Um, I was relying on these 4.0, you know, Palace defenders, for example, I thought maybe we'd get someone like Bruce to move in. But if anything, we've seemed to be losing 4.5 and 4.0 defenders. And yeah, I just don't think it's viable anymore. The The game's not been kind to us. I don't think the players have fallen the right way. And I'm not going to I'm not going to force it for the sake of it. So, yeah, so I'm off of that. It's just a case of when I wildcard. I, you know, I want to wildcard early. I like wildcarding early. Yeah, mainly I know I mentioned Chelsea, but I want to get Man City players in early as well. And I want to do it quite heavily. I've been looking at trying to get Sterling and KDB. 
maybe even triple up with Aguero. <laughs> um, wow. So, so triple well, Chelsea, triple uh, triple City. Yeah, because I, I, I feel like Salah, and this might be sacrilege, he might be the top scorer of the season. I feel like he's a one-week punt. You know, I think the amount of options that are around, I feel like Aubameyang's a two-week punt. I feel like the the number of options that are around, the value that Chelsea offer, um, the explosiveness of Man City, I, I don't feel like I want players like Salah for the long term. Mm-hmm. I don't I'd know agree. if you guys agree with me. Yeah, you do. Perfect. Yeah, I'd, <laughs> I'd agree. I, I really feel like, so I've set my defence so that I don't need to touch it and I will be all season just swapping between these high upside guys. There's so many of them, so many of them. It no, is, there it's are. going to be a crazy, crazy season for premium picks. And it's going to be very much about being on the right ones at the right time, of course, which is, I know, always the case, but now more than ever. And it's finding those right budget players. So, yeah. you know, you need to fill your team with these with these budget guys. But I guess um, and I guess long, the longer you wait, the the more they're going to become apparent you know, to us. But should we, should we move on to our teams then? Yeah, um, let's go for it. So let's let's start with you, Alex. So obviously you've mentioned already you're going to be holding your wild card. Do you mind running through our, running through your team with us? Of course, yeah. So I've got questionable goalkeeper, maybe, but I'm quite confident in him. In Sam Johnston, the West Brom keeper, um, he's got a one in three save percentage rate for all penalties. West Brom are probably going to give up some penalties. Um, and if he saves a penalty, I'm pretty sure you're going to have a hole on your hands. So you're upside um, chasing for goalkeepers. <laughs> exactly. And those those 4.5 goalkeepers, I think we're gonna, they're going to be in between like 50 to 20 points at the end of the year. Mm. So it's, it's the one position which I don't actually mind having a little bit of a punt on. I think that there's some sort of reasoning there as well. Yeah, no, I uh, can get that. Plus, you're not blocking a team you're going to want to triple up on as well. Yeah, like, so, that's yeah. a good point. Exactly. And you get those um, really nice two pink kits in your side as well. Yeah, I'm looking at those now, and yeah, I don't know if you can get something to change that. <laughs> uh, at the back, I've got Trent. I don't really need to explain that one. I've got four 4.5 defenders, which I'm going to rotate for two spots. I've got Justin, Walker-Peters, Dallas, and Charlie Taylor. It, it brings a nice rotation. Um, so then I've got Salah, Abamyang, Son, and Saka as my midfield four. Saka's in there because I think he's the one 5.5 midfielder that I think could, he could either flop and I'll have to sort him out or he could make an absolute mockery of his price. And with those two fixtures, Fulham and West Ham, I think it's good as good a time as any to have a go. Um, and then up front, I've got Werner, Antonio and Adams. The bench is Barton, Reed, Dallas, Taylor. And then, so I've got one million in the bank and after game week one, I'll be doing a minus four to get rid of Salah and Antonio to get Bruno, Captain and Martial. With Saka, because he was someone that, you know, I've had in a few drafts and I don't know, it just worries me with such a, a weak bench. Um, obviously, you've got Reed coming in, so I guess he could get you, you know, a couple of points. So it's not the end of the world. But with someone like Saka, obviously, you've got your next two transfers booked in. But obviously, if he doesn't play the first game, he doesn't play the second game. You know, how much patience would you have with a player like that? Would you take a hit to remove him? Uh, if, if needed, yes, I'm quietly confident in him every time I've watched Arsenal recently he's been in the top three players I think I think Arteta is starting to trust him more I, th- I just think he's a very good player um, yeah, and I've also got I've got Taylor and Dallas on the bench as well so I've got, I've got attacking fullbacks on on the bench that I can play if I really don't fancy his chances of starting is Dallas just a because I've looked at the the Leeds defenders 
And I mean, the only time I'd really want to play one is is game week two. I mean, is is that part of your rotation? Is he he's coming in for game week two and then it's all rotating like perfectly? Yeah, because because I'm playing the long game, three and four are dodgy, but then after that there's some nice games. Mm. And I, exactly, it's four for two, so I can afford to carry him. And I, I like his attacking threat. Every time I've watched, I was just going to say going going back to Saka. Um, I think he's a great player. I think he's, and you, you know, five and a half million. I do think he's underpriced if he gets the minutes. I feel like he's going to be a bit like a Foden. I don't think he's going to start every week. I think he could easily play two in three at times, one in three at other times, and I think you'll have to almost ride the sort of roller coaster a little bit. And then there'll be times when he 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 hauls and gets, you know, comes away with a couple of assists, and then other times where he comes off the bench for a one pointer. Um, it's just whether you're willing to to do that. I mean, I think like I think Foden's a really great pick at six and a half million. It's just whether you do you know what I mean. You sound very much like you're the sort of player, obviously, with with your great um, finish last season. It's got the the patience to do that. It's just whether you feel that do you know what I mean the right the right choice to do that, or would you prefer to go? Do you know what? I'll have some maximum for the same price. And yes, he plays for a lesser team, but he's going to get 90 minutes every game. Yeah, I mean, I mean, same maximum Armstrong. They are probably the safer picks, but they they just don't excite me. If I'm perfectly honest, Saka really yeah. has Saka really has the X factor for me. He he really could make a complete mockery of that price, similar to Foden. I'd put Saka, Greenwood, and Foden in that kind of young, exciting talent bracket where all of them yeah. could outperform it. I'm yeah, no, definitely. You just wouldn't want all three, would you? No. <laughs> all three, well, maybe... you might you might end up with. Uh, well, I think I think Greenwood will start most games unless they sign Sancho or someone else really high profile on the right. But I think yeah, if if, uh, if they did, you could end up with um, quite a few one pointers with those three. Yeah, no, I can see that. And I mean, he he looks like your only real punt, and you know, a punt at five and mm. a half with players on the bench. I mean, actually, yeah, I can I can see that. I can see that. With two um, great fixtures to start as well. I mean, exactly. I mean. Know, they're a team I've been wanting to target. It's just finding the players to target. And maybe sometimes you just have to ro- to roll the dice. But yeah, no, I like that team. Exactly. Um, and uh, William's been settling in slowly. Pepe's been in quarantine. Saka's played the community shield, arguably man of the match. So I think he's in line for a start. Could yeah, be wrong. Wi- yeah, William's price is a bit prohibitive as well, unless you want to drop Son down to William. But yeah, I don't think that's it's, it's really necessary, is it? That's probably a bit too much of a too much of a gamble with William not being on penalties or set pieces. Yeah, exactly. You got Havertz and Pulis. It's at 0.5 more. It feels like a no-brainer. Yeah, it does. So we move on to you, Josh. So can you reveal your team? Yeah, of course. Um, so um, obviously this is for one week only because I'm wildcarding game week two. So team. Uh, in goal, I've got Martinez, uh, Arsenal keeper, but Leno on the bench. Back three, I've gone with uh, triple Liverpool, Trent, Robertson and VVD. Uh, midfield, Aubameyang, Son, Redmond, which is the only one I'm unsure about at the moment, and Suchek. And then up front, uh, Werner, Ings and Antonio. Um, so my bench is obviously Leno, as I mentioned, um, and then two 4.0 defenders, Johnson and Mitchell, and then uh, Reed. The 4.5 million midfielder. So it's it's basically a free hit team, isn't it? It is, and um, you know, I just thought uh, 
The the only thing that could change my thinking at the moment um, is is actually a player who I would never get into my team, but would have quite a big effect, I think, on my team, and that's Jordan Henderson. Is in that he is questionable for game week one. If he's back for game week one, I may be more tempted to bring in either Salah or Mane and may even captain one of them. Oh, um, okay. I thought you were saying you were going to get Jordan Henderson in, but you no, mean, no, no. <laughs> okay. Because I, I, I generally feel, yeah, I like, well, yeah, like, Josh is a very patient that. manager and to get Jordan Henderson would be very out of character. I, I genuinely feel that Henderson's effect on Liverpool's performances and results is on a par with KDB's to City. It is that important. I mean, you saw... Liverpool at the end of last season after he got injured. Um, and yes, all right, they'd, they'd won the league and stuff. But I do think they had a massive part in it. And a lot of the time when he's sat in the stands because he's injured, they, they just don't look like the, the same team. They don't have the same grit and aggressiveness about them as they do normally with him with him on the pitch. So I feel like if he, if he was declared fit for game week one, then yeah, it might be a, a, a Mane or Sarab coming in for for Sun and I'll have to probably get rid of Redmond and rework it, obviously not go with triple Liverpool defence. But if he's out, then that I think at the moment that's 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 my team. That's what I'm looking at. Brilliant. I think because it's a that is something I do envy with that strategy. You're basically doing basically a free hit. Yeah, because if you if you, if you look if you look at those um if you look at those players that I've got in there, majority of them have got rubbish fixture game week two. You've got the three Liverpool, they've obviously got Chelsea away. Um you've got the two West Ham, Suchek and Antonio have got um Arsenal uh, away. Um the two Southampton have got Spurs at home, which is not an amazing fixture. Sun's got Southampton away, not an amazing fixture. Werner's obviously got Liverpool at home. So yeah, it's very much I will not have a choice but to wildcard game week two. I'm pushing myself into a corner, which I would rather go that way and be aggressive with it than, you know, go with a sort of, you know, hybrid team of I'll do this and then I'll have the choice after it because I know I'll am an R and I'll miss a couple of price rises and then I'll uh, regret it all. I'd rather just go you know full steam into it yeah i mean alex would you change anything so if you were on the strategy josh is on because i mean something i'm looking at here is i'd probably go for someone like reese james over suchek um and try and you know maximize chelsea a bit more i mean would there be anything that you'd change on that alex if you were doing like basically a free hit team for game week one i think leeds are going to score so that josh would would be in trouble yeah (laughs) big trouble that's the thing that's a lot first of all alarming. The other players I like that you don't have are Kane and Mane. I think Mane, if you're on a one-week punt, could be an amazing differential. He's yeah. very low ownership. And when he actually plays with Salah, he tends to outscore him. So I yeah. think Mar- even as captain, Mane could be brilliant, I think. And Kane, Do you know what? He- sorry, Kane yeah. absolutely loves playing Everton as well. Nine in ten. Mane's actually been my captain right up all through preseason, right up until actually today. Uh, and I've been really looking into my team in great greater detail today, prior to obviously the podcast tonight. You know, maybe I'm overplaying the Jordan Henderson factor, but I do think it has a massive bearing on how they play. But yeah, he he, I do love Mane. I'm a massive Mane fan, and and I'm, and I much prefer owning 
Mane um, than Salah. Um, so if I did bring one of them in, it would be him. And yes, he would definitely, definitely maybe take the captaincy off off of Bamiang. Um, as for Kane, I think, I don't know, it's just the unknown with Kane all the time, what you're going to get. He's not really had a pre-season. He's been in the Bahamas most of the time. I mean, he's playing um, for England now. Yeah, but it, what, we played, what are these, 70 minutes, I think he played for England the other night. Yeah, and um, he's playing tomorrow night against game. Denmark. I don't know. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, he's not had a full pre-season. I feel like Sun has, 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 been sort of what three or four games he's yes all right he's been playing up front so he's obviously his statistics are looking a little bit skewed because Kane's not been there but he's had a good consistent pre-season so out of the two I kind of prefer some as for Reese James I think Reese James is is going to have a great season I just am not a hundred percent sure he's nailed for game week one it's all about what formation we play three four three or three five two, whatever. We play three at the back. He'll play right wing back without a doubt. And um, as Benacquet will play the right of the three defenders. But if we play four at the back, then I think right back's still got to be as because he's our captain. So I feel it's, like it's 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 risky to go with James game week one. I feel like it's just the the fun of a you know you've got you can chuck in some one week punts and it's it's so hard to nail a, you know a free hit for example, which effectively this is. I don't know. I just like chucking in those high upside players that you might not trust for the season. You know, like someone like Reese James. Um, I just feel like I need to go for for na- like the number one question I've got to ask myself of every player is, are they nailed to start? Because my bench of Johnson, Mitchell and Reed. I mean, I don't want any of them anywhere near my team, really. So mm-hmm. I don't want any of them to have to come on. You know, I want I want to kind of. Yeah, I want to have 11 nailed starters, really. And it's got to be something that's unknown that I haven't seen or that I haven't thought of that, that stops them from uh, from turning up. If you're worried about that, you could go a 4-5 in keeper, change Leno to a 4.0 yeah. and then put Johnson and Mitchell to a 4.5 defender. Then you'd have... You'd, then you'd have that little bit of cover if you were worried about any of your starters. Yeah, he's th- he's that safe. He's even gone for an expensive keeper on the bench just in case Martinez doesn't play. Well, yeah, for me, it's just that I want an Arsenal. I want a route into that Arsenal defence for game week one. None of the defenders are really exciting me. One, because they're either not nailed or two, because they're playing as part of the back three and they're not playing wing backs like Tierney. So I actually thought, you know what, I'm going to go with, I'm going to go with the goalkeeper. And I mean, I could, I could just put Martinez and McCarthy, for example, but I've gone with Leno as the backup because I had the money to do it. And I thought, I don't know who's going to start. I I personally have a hunch that it will be Martinez, Um, you know, who played when they won the FA Cup, who played when they won the um, Community Shields. But yeah, it's, 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 if I need the money, I can I can easily work something with the goalkeepers. I think, and I think when I will potentially need the money is if I want to go for Salah or Mane. So we move on to my team now. Now I'm probably less set than both of you guys. Um, I'm actually taking a bit of a step back, and I'm going to watch the England game tomorrow night because I, you know, I'm really getting confused now. Like I said, I'm wildcarding game week three, and my team at the moment. So I've got half a million in the bank. Now that half a million means I can up upgrade Ings to Martial for example so my team I've got McCarthy in goal um, I've got Trent and Robertson in defence I've got Tierney and Egan so yeah so that double Liverpool defence I, I really like Tierney I want to cover Arsenal as we've already discussed so I'm, I'm willing to risk it Egan's a player yeah I just I really like him 
lots of shots in the box. I still think Sheffield United are going to be good defensively. I know the first game's against Wolves, but they, they don't score that many goals. So it doesn't actually put me off. Now, midfield, I've gone for Abamyang, Havertz and Deli Ali. And then up top, I've gone for Werner and then Ings and Adams. So two Southampton strikers. Bench is just, I mean, it's just Steer, Reed, Taylor and Basuma. So I guess the main takeaways are I haven't got, and I want them, I haven't got Salah and I haven't got Kane. <laughs> you know, I've gone for Ali to try and to try and cover Kane. But I think I need to look at this team again. I mean, I do like it to some extent, but not having Salah or Kane, it kind of pains me. Initial thoughts would be, I think Havertz is too much of a risk for game week one, personally. I think if he starts, I wouldn't be surprised if he gets hauled off after 60, 70 minutes. Oh, and that's if he starts. That risk. He only signed last week. Yeah, I but think, apparently um, he's been training really well. And I don't know, he's more of a Pulisic. I'd rather have Pulisic. Um, but yeah, obviously we haven't had an think, update on him. I think Pulisic is the one if... I mean, I'd probably look at Pulisic over Werner even if he was fit. But I just... Mm. Uh, it's a shame they can't bring the press conferences forward a little bit this week. <laughs> Give us a little no, bit I know, more thinking I know. time. This, I mean, like you say, we've still got internationals. We've still got the press conferences. I feel yeah. like Havertz and Ali, they're more placeholders because Pulisic is a I want. <laughs> the only other criticism I was going to say was Charlie Taylor. So if you're wildcarding game week three, why why Charlie Taylor on the bench when he blanks game week one and game week two he's away to Leicester, which I don't, you know, it's not a great fixture to play him in. Yeah, the, I mean, I'd, I'd ignore the bench, to be honest. I mean, I've got vice captain <laughs> on, on Che Adams as well, so you can tell how quickly I've, I've thrown this together. But yeah, I mean, it, he, he could be Vinagra, for example, if we think he's going to play. I mean, he could be any 4.5. He could even be... Yeah. Justin. So yeah, well, you I mean, could take him down to a four point naught and use the the the, the zero point five elsewhere. Well, something I've not fully mentioned about this strategy is I do like having a plan, but there this does also give me the opportunity. You know, I don't have to wildcard game week three. Now I want to use the wildcard early, but you know things could develop. I might do some hits. You know, this could then take me a little bit further if needed. I'm not, you know, I'm not dead end in my team, but it is heavily, you know, based on game weeks one and two. Yeah, I, I mean, agree. It's really not dead in your team at all. The only question I'd have, would you be happy to captain Aubameyang for the first two weeks? See, this is this is something that's been tearing me apart a bit because I'm, Salah is the guy I want to captain. <laughs> but like I mentioned earlier, I see him as a one-week punt. And if Aubameyang was still a striker, I'd never trust him with the armband. So <laughs> I feel like this, this classification change has made me trust him more. And that's not really a logical reason. See, Kane and Salah, I would possibly trust more with the armband if i can squeeze one or both of them in so i guess the short answer is no but i think game week two i think he's almost certain to be my captain yeah abamian and bruno game week two i think are the standouts yeah that's why i have to keep i think about i'd rather have abamian than salad because i can i could captain abamian both weeks whether i do or not i guess that's an, that's another question but yeah, I don't feel great about captaining him. I really don't. And I think that's why... No, it's funny, isn't it? It's a 12.30 early game of game week one. It's like, what what, what are we doing to ourselves? Second thing is, it's they're away from home. And yes, it's Fulham and there's no fans and all that sort of stuff. But two two things. I, I don't like captaining the, the early kickoff. And some people say it's a load of rubbish, but I just never, never like doing it. And and the second thing is um is is I always prefer to captain a home you know someone at home so Same. yeah it's not the, the captaincy I find I found it quite tough for game week one really so far it's 
for me, it's out of him and, and Mane. But if I do bring Mane in, then I still want to own a Bamiang. And therefore, that means that the budget that I have for the rest of my team is going to be a lot more, you know, well, it's going to be a lot less in terms of, you know, what I've gone for is basically a big hitter captain and then spread the funds as much as possible to get as strong as I possibly can for the other 10. But I mean, yeah, I, I think your team looks good. I think there's not really a great deal that I can see wrong with it. And the same with the same with Alex's. I, I, think, I think they're all pretty solid yeah it's a good point you make about home players because i've got seven players playing away and a big reason i want to watch the england game tomorrow is i want to see if trent plays and i want to see how trent looks because genuinely i think he could be if for people that don't go with salah you know maybe maybe he could be a captain option um you know he's at home to leeds i know alex you think that leeds might score i do yeah even though trent's not a conventional defender i still have reservations on captaining him probably not for the right reasons but I always, I always want that little hat trick potential or double brace or something. I mean, he could get a hat trick of assists again. Because he could I get three assists. Inter- I think he'd be an interesting captain, personally. I think he'd be, yeah, really interesting. I, I said to myself at the towards the end of last season, do we need to own Salah and Mane next season if we can, if we're happy captain in Trent? And it is a little bit, you know, less explosive. But then, well, okay, let's take his his game against Leicester when he got 20, 20 odd points last season away from that. Is, is it that, you know, really with, with Trent, the ceiling, you know, on average is, is lower than it is with Salah and Mane, but, um, but the floor is higher and therefore there's less likely chance of a complete blank. He, he should normally notch either a clean sheet or an assist and either way whether he gets in a clean sheet or an assist um it should lead to bonus imagine josh you with three liverpool defenders if you captain trent quadruple <laughs> liverpool oh. defense i mean that's a uh, definitely that's a, that's a game with one uh, punt it is yeah i'd be um absolutely sweating buckets by like the 89th yeah. minute i think <laughs> time for the Iceman's piss Welcome back, listeners. So we're now going to move swiftly on to our season predictions. Now, we're a bit short of time because we want to get through as many questions as possible. So we're not going to do any explanations. We're just going to get straight into it. Um, So we're going to start with the highest scoring goalkeepers. So basically for each of these categories, goalkeepers, defenders, midfielders and strikers, we have to name the highest scoring player in that position and the differential that you like in that position. So, for example, we start with goalkeepers. I've got Ramsdale as the highest scoring and Rodak as a differential keeper. So who do you have down, Alex? I've got Hugo Lloris as the highest scoring goalkeeper and Sam Johnston as my differential. Nice, nice. And Josh, what about yourself? I've got Nick Pope as the highest scoring goalkeeper and differential goalkeeper. I've gone for Leno Stroke Martinez, whoever nails the shirt. Brilliant. So defenders, we move swiftly on. So I've got Trent, obviously, and my differential is Egan. And Alex, what about yourself? I've got the obvious Trent Alexander-Arnold as well as the top scorer, and Reese James as my differential. 
Nice. I like Reese James. Um, what about yourself, Josh? Who have you got for defenders? Trent again. That's a hat trick. And um, if he stays at Arsenal, Hector Bellerin is the differential defender. Yeah, I thought you. I thought you might say Bellerin. I thought you might say Bellerin. So we move on now to midfielders. So I think the high scoring midfielder in the game is going to be Sterling. I don't even think it's going to be close. And my favourite differential is Pulisic. Alex, what about yourself? Same teams, but I'm going to go with the highest score is De Bruyne and the best differential is Havertz. Nice. And Josh, what about you? I've gone KDB, highest scoring and Foden differential. So we've all got City and Chelsea players for those ones. And now we move on to the strikers. So obviously I have my highest scorer down as Harry Kane. And my differential forward, I've got Che Adams of Southampton. So, Alex, who have you got down? I've got Timo Werner. It's my top scorer. And I've got the man, the myth, the legend, Dominic Calvert-Lewin is my brilliant differential. Nice, nice. And what about yourself, Josh? I've got Martial, highest scoring forward and differential forward. I'm going to go with Richarlison. Wow, that's very differential. Um, So now we're moving swiftly on to our questions from the Slack channel. Um, Now, what we do is we alternate. So obviously, Alex, you're the guest. So I'm going to ask the first question to you, if that's all right. Got a question from Alex. Now he's asking, can we have a bit of chat around the Man United assets and whether you plan to bench them or bring them in with a planned transfer? Now, I know you touched on this earlier. What are you doing? So personally, I feel like even with Greenwood, 7.5 million is a little bit too much to have on the bench. Um, So I would definitely favour having a placeholder, having a one week punt on someone, try and make those points up and then bring them in on game week two. If it's for a hit, I don't even mind it because I think with the Crystal Palace fixture, you can make your gains straight away. Yeah, no, I like that. I like that. Yeah, I, I mean, personally, I wouldn't want to be benching any Man United players, you know, at the prices they are, even even Greenwood. You know, I wouldn't feel comfortable benching, especially, you know, with stuff like he's been sent home from the England squad. Um, you know, if he fails some kind of coronavirus test in weeks to come, you've got a player in that you need to sub out straight away. Josh, so we got a question from Emma in the Slack channel. So Arsenal and Chelsea, who is likely to start? That's quite, um, I know Arsenal, it's, quite, it's, quite, it's quite a broad question. <laughs> name both 11s. Um, no, Arsenal, I think the only ones that um, I think are, are nailed are, are Tierney, Aubameyang, and I think you mentioned Saka. Um, Chelsea, I think we've got a fair few that are nailed, but I think everyone's really going to be bothered about who's going to be the front four and I think Vern will start I think Mount will start I think that probably because Zayac and Pulisic look like they won't make game week one I think Havertz will probably start and potentially get withdrawn early and then the other the other spot could be anyone really it could be um, Hudson-Odoi even that gets it no, very concise answer. And I'll throw this out to both of you. So it's a simple yes or no question. It's also from Emma. She's asking Doherty yes or no. So, Alex, I mean, would you consider Doherty at all for your game week one team? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I've had Doherty in a few drafts. Um, I think if, if you've seen the All or Nothing documentary, there's a scene where Mourinho's got the whiteboard up and he's got Doherty literally as his right winger. But the problem is, I think it's going to be dependent game to game with whether he's going to be at that position. Um, so I would say yes, but I wouldn't expect the same attacking output as you've had at Wolves. Yeah, yes, definitely under consideration. See, I think for me, he's just a bit expensive. I mean, if we had a bit more budget to play with, I'd you know, I'd love to have him in. Um, but I just feel like I'd rather go for Davis or Dyer, you know, at, at a much cheaper price. 
if we can go back to you then alex so we've got a question on slack from an nt abroad so nt abroad is asking what's the pod's thoughts about choosing a cheap 6.5 striker over say a 5.5 to 6.5 million pound defender so van dyke over more pay for example i mean what, what do you think about that it's a difficult one really i think it's all about timing with this one if you're going for the long term I could definitely see you get more consistent points with the defender. But if you're looking for a more short-term spike of um, some big points, I think the strikers can deliver that for you. Say you see a striker, six million, for example, a Woods, he's got a few green fixes in a row. That's the kind of time where I think that could outscore a expensive defender. There's a few I quite like at that, at that price point. More pay Woods, Antonio, um, and Ketty if he can nail it down. Mitrovic, of course. So yeah, there's a few. There's a few that I think could spike some big points. So it's just all about those, all about playing the fixtures with players like that. Exactly. Yeah, fixtures are no are so important with cheap players like that. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So, um, Josh, we got a question from Jeff. He's asking, how deep do you think bench needs to be this year with cancellations possible? So I guess it's quite a good question for you, really. So when you wildcard in game week two. Um, are you going to have a strong bench? Are you going to have a bench you've got for game week one, which is horrific? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I think you've got to go deep with the bench. I think goalkeeper-wise, I'd either go two playing keepers, like two 4.5s, or even two from the same club, like a, um, a Johnston Button or a Ryan Walton. Um, I think with regards to the defenders... Yeah, if a four point naught emerges and has played game week one and is not looking like they're gonna they're gonna lose their place. So like a Ben Johnson at um at West Ham could be the perfect pick. Something like Tyreek Mitchell, maybe not so much because PVA is gonna be coming back. So I, I, I want a full playing for four players on my bench every week for for reasons of yes postponements but also just really to have that that ease of flexibility if I've got an injury or suspension in my team because I guess once your wild card's gone um, you're obviously gonna have to be a little bit more cautious you know about the fringes fringes of that squad you know that you don't yeah. really have to take into account as much for, for game week one so Jeremiah's asked Arsenal who is likely nailed starts the first two game week so I guess we've covered this twice now really so Bamiyang definitely and then even the goalkeepers we're not sure on so yeah they've got juicy fixtures but yeah I think that's a that's a real difficult one and I think that's why it's been asked so many times so we've got a question for you then Alex so Espen's asking how nailed should Salah be on a game week one team so Espen's noted that you know Liverpool start with three away games in their first five and their form's been declining since the start of March. Yeah, interesting on this. So I think the form declining from the start of March is partly down to motivation. I think post-restart they won the league very early on and then the, the same motivation as early on in the season just wasn't there. Regarding if Salah should be nailed in your game week one team, I think he's one of the standout captains for game week one. But after that, I think he probably can be sold. Um, Salah was the top scorer in the league at home last season, but he was really not very good away. So home games, captain, good. Away games, probably see, can avoid. You see, the stuff like that, it's true and it, it, it worries me. And that's why I'm not I'm not 100% set on my team. Like I'd much rather captain Salah than Yang. 
but it's, it's it's one of those ones that if you can get away with it, if you can just get away with that one week, you know, where he, where he blanks, then you know you're 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 laughing really because the amount of money that you can save. Um, so I'm going to ask this question from Mad Hat to both of you. So who's your favourite budget defender, Josh? Favourite budget defender? What are we going four point five or? Yes, I think well, I think we're saying so. Let's let's do favourite four point five defender. I'm going to be really no, I'm going to go with Ailing. I think. I think Ailing from Leeds uh, would be my favourite. Brilliant. What about you, Alex? I'm going to go quite boring with Charlie Taylor. I just think you've got that security of the Burnley clean sheet and he's got a nice little cross with his left foot as well. So, yeah, Charlie Taylor. Yeah, no, I like, I like both of those. I'm not, I mean, I'm not enamoured with many of the, the 4.5s. Um, that, that's why I have been looking at players like Egan and Saisu in that five bracket. But I do quite like Kyle Walker-Peters. I think, you know, he could be a good good option this year because um, Valerie's not looked great. So we go for a final question from Slack. Now we got J-Roz. J-Roz is asking, what are the bandwagons you've seen forming on Twitter? Which have merit and which have been overhyped? So... I guess let's make this a bit more controversial. Is there any pick that you've seen picked in a lot of teams that you don't like, Josh? Stuart Armstrong. Stuart Armstrong. Yeah, I just think think that. I mean, I know, I know I've got Redmond in my current draft at the moment, but I think Southampton look great. Um, one of the one of the best teams in the league, really record wise after restart. Um, but I feel like that midfield of Redmond, um, Ward, Prowse. Armstrong, I feel like it could be very hit and miss. Um, and I, I, I think game week one's not, you know, is, is quite a nice fixture away to Palace, who've got a bit of an injured defence and stuff. Yeah. But I wouldn't really want to keep it for much longer than that. Just a little stat on Stuart Armstrong. After the restart, he was the third highest um, overperforming midfielder in terms of XGI. So um, nice, very much nice overperforming his, his stats. Um, and just quickly on Ward Prowse, he was actually the first highest underachiever in, uh, in, in, you know, in terms of XGI amongst all midfielders. So I think, yeah, in terms of it, it looks to me like Ward Prowse should be scoring more points and Stuart Armstrong should be scoring less points. I guess that all depends on also um, who's going to be taking penalties, whether it's going to be Ings or Ward-Prowse. That will definitely have some bearing on it. I mean, Alex, do you have a, a player you've seen that's popular that you're you're not too keen on? So, uh, First of all, I'd agree with Josh, actually. I think Armstrong's stat played a bit against Norwich last season in the restart. So, yeah, I'd agree totally with Josh there. And another one, quite controversially... He's 27% owned as well, and his name is Alexander Mitrovic. He's got Leeds, Arsenal, Villa, Wolves and Sheffield United in the first five, and I I really don't see many goals there for him. This is one I agree with, because he is a talisman, and I've seen a lot of people with him, but because I'm on a short-term plan, he doesn't appeal to me because of those fixtures. So is he he one you see maybe a place for down the line, um, but just not to start with? Yeah, yeah, just not to start with. The first five, really bad. But from game week six onwards, he's got Palace, West Brom, West Ham and Everton right in a row. And that's what exactly what I was yeah. talking about earlier. Six to nine is lovely, isn't it? Like that. Three home yeah. games in four as well there. I think, I think my one would be, and I'm not sure of his ownership, but Son. I feel like 
I'd rather have Deli Ali for a million pound less. And I know Son's a very, very popular pick, but he's, he's he was playing very wide after after restart. And I just wouldn't want to pay a million more for a player like Son when I can get Deli Ali, who I realise can be can be a you know a streaky player, but he can be a very explosive player. And I feel like these these obviously these preseason games, like Alan touched on earlier in his segment, he's been playing he's been playing up front in the absence of Kane, who's who's going to be back. So for me, even though they've reduced his price, I'm not a massive fan of Son, and I know that probably will upset you, Josh. But he's not he's not locked in my team. If I do get uh, Marnie in, then he'll he'll have to go. I do. I feel like Son's a little bit like Hazard used to be. Um, he's one of those players that can frustrate, but if you stick with him for a long period, he will give you the returns. Actually, I've just realised you both got him in your team, so it's probably the the wrong audience for this, but. Um... <laughs> yeah, I, I had to pick someone. I had to pick someone. So I, I've gone for Son. Um, but I, I can see the logic. I mean, he does have good fixtures, just to, to backtrack a little bit. Uh, Son is one of those um, elite finishers in the league as well. He doesn't need many chances to put some points on the board. No, it's true. No, he is a very, very good finisher. It's just a shame he's not going to be playing up front or I assume he's not going to be playing up front. It's just with me that risk of him playing very far, you know, very far to the side. But I guess I guess we'll see. I guess we'll see. He's just one I'm I'm just not considering at all be, because of Delhi Alley. That's all that's all for the listener questions. We are running out of time. So we just move very quickly on to our feedback. Now we got a message on Twitter from FPL Teach Mode Andy. He said, What an episode. Biggest praise I can give. I parked up at Tesco to do some shopping and wanted to stay in the car to carry on listening. Awesome pod. More of Dean Jones as well, please, lad. Yeah, I agree. No, Dean Dean was awesome. And Andy, I hope you managed to get your shopping done. Now we're going to move on to the partner chat. As some of our listeners may recall, last year we were partnered with Mikkel Topfam and his transfer algorithm. We're delighted to say we're continuing that partnership for the season with one of the very best FPL managers in the world. Norwegian Hall of Famer Mikkel Topfam is a data scientist with a master's degree in engineering and a former professional poker player who boasts 11 seasons of impressive FPL results, including five finishes in the top 10k and a final overall rank of 519 just a few seasons ago. Since it started in 2014, the transfer for algorithm has produced exceptional results and helped propel FPL managers to new heights, including some of the most talented and successful competitors around the world. With over a dozen key statistics considered for each player and data sets spanning many years of historical performance, transfer algorithm closely monitors metrics such as minutes played, big chances, goals attempted, shots, chances created, touches, key passes and several others. Long-term point predictions are generated based on these underlying statistics, then combined with fixture ratings for upcoming matches along with player prices in order to determine value rankings so all you need to do is if you want to see this just go to patreon.com forward slash transfer algorithm for just three dollars per month now what he's going to be doing this season is he's going to be using the Iceman's team i guess the Iceman wants help with that team that algorithm has given for Iceman is in goal mccarthy and nyland in defense size trent ben davis eiling and branthwaite midfield we've got salah son Ooh. Uh, Ward Prowse, Abamyang, and Anguissa. Strikers Werner, Mitrovic, and Antonio. A 3 4 3 setup. You can mix it up a little, but Salah, Sun, Werner, Mitrovic, and Sice is the backbone of the structure. So that's the advice for you, Iceman. And 
based on last season, they probably ignore it. Um, we're also partnered with Fantasy Football Hub and have been given the exclusive sign-up offer of Surgery 25. Now, if you go to fantasyfootballhub.co.uk, you can sign up there for 25% off. We're also partnered with FPL Doodles at FPL Doodles one on Twitter. Now, Doodles does the artwork for the pod release tweet each and every week. And I mean, the one from last week was incredible. Alex, we're going to come back to you, mate. First of all, obviously, thank, thanks for coming on. We've got a couple more things for you to do. So do you mind just quickly running through your three best picks for game week one, please? Of course. Um, so number one, I've got Mohamed Salah. His, his scores against promoted sides have been ridiculous over the past few years. Yeah, most most goals of any player at home last season, so he's got the pedigree. Yeah, good luck Leeds. Next up, next up, I've got Timo Werner. Um, I don't think Brighton are going to sit back. It's just not in their blood. They'll come out and attack. Um, and Werner is one of the best in the world on, on the counter attack. I think he could even captain him. To be honest, I think he's I think he's in in for a big one. Um, and then third of all, I've got Harry Kane. Uh, he loves playing Everton. He's got nine goals in ten games against them. Yep. So I think I think he's in for a big one. Brilliant. I mean, I would say I love him, but two of them I'm I don't have in my team, and I really I really want them in my team. So you've also got three differential picks as well. So who who would those be, Alec? Got your man Deli Ali. So in um, pre-season, Mourinho's been playing in his favoured second striker role, um, and in that role, I think that, that is. The best Eliali you'll see. So I think he's got. I think he's got really, really big potential. And every year we see those players from around eight to nine million. There'll be a few of them that break out that really perform at a premium level. He's, he's had a few seasons. He had one season where he got eighteen goals as well. So he's got. He's got the pedigree. Could have a big season. Uh, next up, I've got Sadio Mane. As I highlighted earlier, there's a lot of focus on Salah, but Mane is just as capable as Salah. Um, so it could be a big, big differential there potential captain choice as well and third of all i've got Mikel antonio highest xg since restart plum fixture against newcastle if we're going to take anything from restart then antonio is your man perfect perfect and we just finally we'll just move on to our captain picks so i think we've covered them briefly but alex who, who are you captain him uh salah. Uh, salah to be honest yeah as soon as the fixtures came out i haven't wavered once fair enough and i can understand why um and josh what about yourself Currently on a Bamiang, but as weird as it sounds, that's subject to uh, Jordan Henderson's fitness. <laughs> then uh, if he's fit, I'll uh, I'll potentially change to and bring in Mane. And you won't consider Trent? Nah, I don't think so. <laughs> I'll have I'll have two Liverpool defenders likely anyway. Or three. three. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, and I mean at the moment on my current team, you know, I'm I'm not settled on it at all. So I'm I'm glad Alex and Josh sound a little more settled. But I'm on a Bamiyang, but I prefer Salah, and yeah, I could even toy with Kane or Trent. So really, I've not given an answer there. So I'll say a Bamiyang, but that's really is that really is subject to change. If you like what you heard today, please help support the podcast at patreon.com forward slash FPL surgery. Please join the FPL surgery podcast league. Now that code is 439HW9. That code again is 439HW9. Check us out at fplsurgery.com. Find us on Facebook, SoundCloud, Reddit and Twitter at FPL Surgery. Subscribe on iTunes and remember to please rate the podcast. Or you can email us info at fplsurgery.com. 
Now, Josh, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. Alex, do you have any social media or any way that our listeners can contact you at all? Yep, you can uh, find me on Twitter or uh, at Perlo's Pen FPL. Brilliant, brilliant. Well, honestly, Alex, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on and I hope we can have you on again soon. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, guys. Really, really great to talk to you. Yeah, and lovely to come again. No, it has been it has been good. And I'm sure maybe some things will change before the weekend. So I'll be interested to see, you know, how all our teams look you know come that Saturday deadline and I guess just on that fact actually I don't think I've mentioned it yet they've moved the FPL deadline this year so instead of being 60 minutes before the first game it's 90 minutes um, so be you know be very very careful and make sure you set your team an hour and a half before that Arsenal game kicks off against Fulham and one final thing to say Josh up the pod up the pod up the pod Yeah, Rich, here's all the files, so it makes it nice and easy for you to, to edit. Yeah, mate, I'll, ch- I'll chat these over to you, no problem. Yeah, there they are, all over WhatsApp. Uh, it's, it's taken me a while to, to edit all these. I, I can't seem to... I'm not used to editing. I might have to watch some YouTube videos. What, why do you need to edit, Rich? You've got you've got all the files there. All you need to do is put them into into line. It's like, what, what do you need to edit? Oh, it's really hard. I'll watch some YouTube videos. I'll talk to you tomorrow.